Before we start this episode of Conversations with Kenyatta, I'm excited to tell you about my new partnership with Audible. Listeners can go to www.audibletrial.com backslash Kenyatta to receive a free 30-day trial. Audible is a wonderful resource with audiobooks for every reader. It even has titles from authors that have been on my podcast, such as Dr. Dan Bouts' Democracy's Data and Gail Lukasik's White Like Her. And please note that this is an affiliate link. So I may receive a commission with no cost to you, just a fee trial with so many wonderful titles. And I love to read. But with that, here's this week's episode of Conversations with Kenyatta. Hi, everyone. We're back with episode three. Getting to record Conversations with Kenyatta is such a wonderful way to connect with you, and I'm thrilled that I can do so. Today, I'm going to talk to you more about my journey. I find that some of you are still getting to know me, and I love that. So I've taken a few of my most commonly asked questions, and I'm going to answer them for you today. What made you decide to pursue your dream of working in genealogy? So what made me decide to pursue my dream of working in genealogy? It was a very hard decision to make. Um, As I've mentioned in previous podcasts, I have, uh, I was employed at the time as a software salesperson. I had written my book. I'd filmed Genealogy Roadshow. And deciding to leave a very lucrative software career was a big move. I was lucky enough to have a conversation with a fellow professional genealogist who has a background in psychology. And she really helped me decide uh, to, to pursue my dream, to really look at what I was going through at my job at the time, what I wanted to do with my career, and what, how I wanted to spend this sort of the second half of my career in my life, and walking through that with her, discussing the pros and the cons, which I'll talk about as well, of leaving a career and sort of jumping off a cliff. And that's exactly what I did. And I decided that I'd written this book, and if I wanted the book to be successful, then I had to make sure it was successful. I had to go on this book tour to you know, start conversations with Kenyatta in person. I had to really put all I had into the success of the Family Tree Toolkit and, in, and believe in myself. And so that's what I did. And I am so glad that I jumped off that cliff, that I listened to that professional genealogist who helped walk me through the pros and cons and talk to me about the challenges I was having in my current situation and the joy I felt from being a professional genealogist. All of that has made me so happy today. And I've done so many wonderful things since I made that decision in December 2017. How has your background in tech helped you with your genealogy career? So my background in tech has been very helpful because I actually applied the skill set that I learned while doing uh, technology software sales, as well as product marketing um, and alliances to my genealogy business and career, right? So I approach it from a very business forward perspective, um, from a sales perspective, understanding the value of partnerships, so partnering with different organizations within genealogy. And as well, it also really helped me when I was president of the Association of Professional Genealogists while I was selling software. So what was it like entering the world of genealogy as a young person and also as a Black person? The world of genealogy uh, is usually not that welcoming 
Um, especially as a young person, I found it very difficult to interact with others, even when I went to conferences. Uh, genealogy is something that we typically do in isolation. It's just us by ourselves. So, you know, we're we're not used to kind of going out and networking as much. But when we do get that opportunity, we enjoy it. And when you're new to the field, it it can be a little intimidating because you don't have 20 or 30 years of experience. But how do you get that experience, right? Everyone had to start somewhere. So I really felt that it was difficult. And then as a Black person, it was also difficult for me to meet other uh, African-American genealogists, excuse me, as well as um, the other part was that acceptance, you know, showing up at conferences or trying to get speaking engagements and things like that, because I was this young whippersnapper with not enough experience and they didn't really know who I was. So I felt the best way for me to get kind of, you know, one leg in or edge up or anything like that, whatever you want to call it, was to become president of APG and uh, be involved in that organization and try to attend as many conferences as as I could uh, based on, you know, my work schedule and things like that. Why is it so difficult to find enslaved ancestors? It's difficult to find enslaved ancestors because families were torn apart, especially during the domestic slave trade, where you had the mass or the forced migration of almost a million enslaved individuals from the upper South to the lower South. When these families were torn apart, never some of them never to see their relatives again, their mothers, their fathers, their children, aunts, uncles, grandparents, there's a trauma that's associated with that. And the trauma of for anyone listening that has a child, you know, or, you know, if you're sitting next to your 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 husband or your wife or you talk to your grandparent or see or even the COVID, you talk to them or maybe FaceTime with them. Just imagine not being able to ever talk to that person again or see them again and not know where they're gone. They just left. And you have no control over that. You, as an enslaved individual, you had no rights. You had no control over what happened to your family, to your wife, to your husband, to your children. So that is difficult. And that and there's a generational trauma that comes with that. There's a trauma that comes with doing enslaved ancestral research for me because I sit in it all day. I spend a lot of time in it. And that makes it very difficult. But with that trauma, there's also a resilience that comes through. That is something that I think we need to remember. It was often on Genealogy Roadshow, we talked a lot about uh, when someone had to, or an ancestor overcame a very difficult time period or situation or an event in their life, that their resilience was the reason why their descendant was sitting across from me. And that's the biggest point that I always want to make with even with the difficulty in finding the slave ancestors and the trauma that comes with that. There's a resilience that is native to who we are because our ancestors had to endure that. And that our whole goal and what we're doing and why we do what we do is to reconnect those families that have been lost to slavery. So what are some of the genealogy projects that you have worked on in the past? Well, I've do, I do a lot of work with journalists. I do a lot of work with um, historians, as well as some uh, university projects. So I'll start with the journalists. I did a very high profile or a project for a very high profile journalist 
um, whose name I cannot use, but doing that project, I was tasked with finding the enslaved individuals that were moved from Mississippi to Texas during the height of the Civil War. And those enslaved individuals were moved because they wanted the enslavers wanted them to remain enslaved and not, you know, go off with the Union troops. That was like finding a needle in a haystack. Very difficult project, but I love a challenge. I've also done work with Nicole Hannah-Jones, who is the architect of the 1619 Project. I did research for her, for her book uh, that's coming out. And based on the research I did with her, she asked me to be a part, for her book, she asked me to be a part of the 1619 Project, which I really enjoyed. I work with a group called University Studying Slavery. And with University Studying Slavery, I have a project with the University of Mississippi uh, focused on Roanoke, which is the home that William Faulkner lived in and is now part of the University of Mississippi. Uh, it was donated to the university. And we are researching and examining the enslaved that lived at Roanoke, as well as the outlying uh, other plantations that were owned by Robert Shegog, who was the person who built Roanoke. And last but not least, I'm working on a project with University of Pennsylvania around Biddy Mason. And Biddy Mason was an enslaved woman um, who was came who lived in Mississippi um, and who came to uh, also was enslaved in Utah. In Utah, the 1850, I believe it's 1850 uh, slave schedule um, list the names of the enslaved, and Biddy was listed there as well as when Biddy left with her enslaver and came to California, she was told that because California was not a slave state that before, you know, she was no longer a slave. And then therefore, uh, Biddy actually sued for her freedom. And there's a well-known case about that, but we're working on a project to really kind of highlight her. And she did a lot in Los Angeles as well and owned a, a number of properties in the LA area. So those are a couple of the projects, kind of high profile that I've worked on. What's the biggest struggle I've faced in my genealogy career? I think the biggest struggle that I've faced in my genealogy career, you know, has been the courage to actually just make it my full-time career. That's very difficult. So this that's a struggle that took a, a long time. The fact that I filmed an entire TV show and wrote a book while I was still working seems insane to me right now. But I wasn't, I guess, confident enough maybe in myself or in my ability to actually make money from genealogy so that I can pay my bills, right? I don't have a retirement plan that I can rely on. I don't have a spouse that has a job that can cover the bills, right? And I'm not independently wealthy. So therefore, you know, I'm the only person taking care of me. So that's been my biggest struggle. And it continues to be a struggle. I'm, it's not easy doing what, you know, being a full-time genealogist um, and, and you know, for the folks that are interested in doing it, it takes a lot of uh, sacrifice and a lot of self-awareness. <laughs> you learn a lot about yourself. yourself. What's been my bi biggest success in my genealogy career? And I think the biggest success in my career has been jumping off that cliff. Now, I just said, oh, that's been my biggest struggle. But here's why it's been a success. Since I have left my job and done genealogy full time, I've done some amazing things. I was part of the 1619 Project. I did a 22 city book tour. I get all these 
awesome opportunities to work with universities, to have journalists and historians contact me, and for people to really appreciate my work. And one of the things that still is mind boggling to me, which I guess it shouldn't be, but it is, is that when I talk to people um, or when I do like a coaching service or, um, you know, anything where someone comes in contact with me that might be a fan of the show is that they, a lot of them say, thank you so much for your work. And that's always a shock to me because I'm like, how do they know what I'm working on? And of course, you know, I'm on social media and people see things, but I think I'm just Kenyatta. You know, I'm just a girl that likes looking for dead people that chose to focus on this. But yet and still, there's so many people outside, you know, that that watch me that actually are inspired by me. And that's such a just a great and humbling experience to have that. And I'm always thankful, very thankful when I hear someone say that. So I say, I would say my success has been believing in myself, jumping off that cliff and reaping the rewards of that. And the advice that I would give to genealogists just starting out in your career, number one, is we have a lot of ways for you to connect now, ways that we didn't have before. So I think being able to, you know, jump in to uh, social media things that are going on, whether you do an Instagram live or a Facebook live or however you want to reach your audience. I know a couple of people do things and other platforms as well. So just really connecting with other genealogists. I know people use TikTok as a way. Also carving out your path, right? You have the ability to create content. So create content, you know, start a blog or do a story or something on your family members, um, or some significant finds or interesting facts that you have, collaborate with other genealogists, you know, start a podcast. I mean, find ways in which you can get your voice out out there and your content out there. And always, always learn and educate yourself. If you can't afford to go to an institute or conference, there are ways for you to watch things on YouTube, read certain books, uh, you know, join uh, different groups. And always just one thing for you personally, as you start this journey and it's early in your career, it's, you know, it may seem like a lot, right? But just believe in yourself, know that you can do it. And also you make sure, make sure you take time for yourself, mental time for you to recharge as you start on this journey. But I don't regret at all my decision to do genealogy professionally full time. And I love every minute of it. And there are days that I just walk around my apartment screaming, I love my job. So I wish you the best of luck. And I think you should also jump off that cliff. You'll find a parachute. Thank you so much for joining me for episode three. I cannot wait until next time. So I'm excited to announce I just started a Patreon. You can become a monthly patron where you can get behind the scenes content and access to calls with me. You can learn more at Patreon slash Kenyatta Berry. Conversations with Kenyatta was produced by Kenyatta D. Berry and Caitlin Owl and features Kenyatta D. Berry. The music for this episode was Good Vibe by Ketza. Follow Kenyatta on Instagram under the handle Kenyatta.Berry, on Facebook at facebook.com slash KenyattaDB, and on Twitter at KenyattaDB. You can also find more information on her book and upcoming events on her website at KenyattaBerry.com.
www.thepowerofthenow.com.